This is Kick-Ass News. I'm Ben Mathis. Folks, it's no secret that I like to unwind after a long day with a good cigar. If you ask me, it's one of the simple pleasures in life. But there are just so many brands and types of cigars out there that it can be a little intimidating. How do I know the difference between a Torpedo and a Corona? And is a Cuban cigar really so much better than a Dominican, or is it all hype? That's why my indispensable resource for cigar information is Puro Trader. Puro Trader is like one of those travel sites that searches the web for the best deals, except instead of flights, you're searching for cigars, from everyday cigars for the casual smoker to the rare sticks for collectors. Now, one thing I hate is to waste good money on a cigar I don't enjoy. I want to know what I'm getting into, so I love that Puro Trader takes the guesswork out of it for me by letting me compare different cigars and get recommendations before I buy. And it's all in a community setting where you can ask questions and read real reviews. Visit PuroTrader.com and use promo code NEWS for a chance to win a day at the Porsche Racing Experience in Los Angeles or Atlanta. That's PuroTrader, P-U-R-O-T-R-A-D-E-R.com. Code News. And now, on with the show. Hi, I'm Ben Mathis. Welcome to Kick-Ass News. Five years ago, New York Times best-selling author Brad Meltzer grew tired of his kids' obsession with reality TV stars and people who were famous for being famous. From his love of history, Brad knew there were better heroes for his children to emulate, and he decided to write about them. Now, what originally began as a passion project has become today's leading and best-selling picture book biography series, Ordinary People Change the World. With more than 3 million copies in print worldwide, the acclaimed biography series features stories about famous historical figures from around the world, including Abraham Lincoln, Rosa Parks, Martin Luther King Jr., and Neil Armstrong, among others. Now he's adding two new heroes to the collection with I Am Marie Curie and I Am Walt Disney. And today, Brad returns to the show to talk about the qualities he looks for in heroes for his children, and he also reveals who his own childhood heroes were. He says he puts just as much historical research into his children's books as he does into his best-selling political thrillers, and he explains why it's important to show that even famous historical figures started out somewhere and had role models of their very own. Brad discusses why his illustrator, Christopher Eliopoulos, draws characters like Einstein and George Washington as children instead of adults. He talks about the new PBS TV series based on his books and how it's a dream come true for a man who grew up on Mr. Rogers and Sesame Street. Plus, why Brad's Ordinary People Change the World books received a surprising bump in sales during the 2016 election, and Brad teases his next offering for his grown-up readers, a follow-up to his best-selling thriller, The Escape Artist. Coming up with Brad Meltzer in just a moment. Brad Meltzer is the author of best-selling suspense novels like The Escape Artist and The Inner Circle, as well as his recent nonfiction book, The First Conspiracy, and he's the host of the History Channel television series Brad Meltzer's Decoded and Brad Meltzer's Lost History. 
He's also the author of the popular Ordinary People Change the World series of biographies for children. Brad's children's books have sold over 3 million copies worldwide, and now he's out with two new additions to the series, titled I Am Walt Disney and I Am Marie Curie. Brad, welcome back to the podcast. Good to be back. I like, you know, when you go back somewhere, it's the one... Usually I don't get invited back many places, right? Oh, really? Place, right? No, no, I'm teasing. But when you come back, it actually is is, is much nicer than than just going and hopping around. So thank yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's great to have you back. And and this is kind of a little bit different from the usual conversations because we're talking about children's books. And I, I looked through these. They're just delightful. And there's actually a ton of stuff that even I didn't know. I'm interested in how you started this series, Brad. I understand that it had something to do with your own children. Is that right? Yeah, so I was tired of my own kids looking at people who are famous for being famous and thinking that that's a hero. Mm-hmm. And what I want to do is give my kids heroes of character and generosity and kindness and compassion. And, of course, you know, hard teach them how to hard work hard and, and stay humble. And we started with my daughter. I, you know, I wanted to teach her about Amelia Earhart. And I told my daughter, Amelia Earhart flew across the Atlantic Ocean. And my daughter's like, Big deal, Dad. Everyone flies across the Atlantic Ocean. <laughs> like, she was totally not impressed. But if I tell my daughter, and this is true, that when Amelia Earhart was seven years old, she built a homemade roller coaster in her backyard. <laughs> and she took a wooden crate. She put roller skating wheels on the bottom of the wooden crate. Really? She shoves the crate to the roof of her tool shed. She puts two you know, pieces of wood on the side, comes flying down the side, which she greases with lard to make sure she's going fast enough, goes flying through the air. The whole thing crashes and burns. <laughs> and Amelia Hart gets up and is like, that was amazing. And, and Amelia Hart later said that feeling she had when her stomach bottomed out from under her was a feeling she wanted back again. Wow. And that's the first time, it's the first time Amelia Hart ever flew. She was seven years old. <laughs> and I tell my daughter that, and my daughter's like, dad, tell me more of that one. And that's the secret of the series is, is we meet our heroes when they're kids. So we started with I'm Amelia Earhart and I am Abraham Lincoln. We did I am Rosa Parks and Albert Einstein. My son loves sports. So for him, I said, you know what? Forget a millionaire sports hero. Here's meet this guy. His name is Jackie Robinson. Yeah. And we did I, we did I am Lucille Ball because uh, I wanted my daughter to have a female entertainment hero who wasn't just famous for being thin and pretty. Mm-hmm. That Lucy stood for the idea it's okay to be different. And we did I Am Helen Keller, where the pages of the book go black when she goes blind. It says, here's how I see the world. And then we put real Braille in the book. It says, feel these dots? This is my name. What's your name? And I watch my 17-year-old son, who's obviously too old. For, you know, these are illustrated biographies for little kids. But my 17-year-old son was reading Helen Keller with his hands on the book, on the Braille, and his eyes closed. And he turns to me and says, Dad, this one's actually good. And I'm like, What's wrong with the other ones, right? You know, I'm like, but, you know, the, an amazing thing happened with this series as the 2016 election approached. And what it was is that as Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton were beating each other's heads open every day on TV, uh, two of our books started selling more than any others. And they were I Am George Washington and I Am Martin Luther King Jr. Wow. And it wasn't, a, it wasn't a Democrat or Republican thing. It was that parents and grandparents on both sides were tired of turning on the TV and showing their kids politicians and what they wanted to show yeah. their kids with leaders. And we all know there's a huge difference between a leader and a politician. So I love the fact that people use our books now to fight back against the divisiveness that we see in society. And yeah. I take these books, I, you know, I go on Fox News and I go on CNN. 
I will go on, you know, Good Morning America, and I will go on the most conservative show you'll ever see. I mean, and there are things, despite what we think, that we all do agree on. Mm -hmm. And I think those lessons of kindness and compassion and hard work are are vital. And and that's kind of what leads us to the two newest ones. We have I Am Walt Disney and I Am Marie Curie. And I love that you're giving kids real heroes again. Nowadays, it feels like they're few and far between. Do you think that it's really a deficiency of character that we have today or that no one's doing anything? Or is it more a case that we no longer allow heroes to be our heroes? We always have to know everything about them, warts and all. What do you think's going on there? I think there's two things. I think one is that last thing you said, which is, you know, find anybody and you're going to look close enough and you'll find flaws. Right. And we want to discount that. But every single hero that I mentioned here, whether it's, you know, George Washington and Abraham Lincoln or Amelia Earhart, anybody I mentioned, they're full of flaws too. I guarantee Mm -hmm. it. Right. We just didn't have, you know, the the microscope was not as burning hot as it is today. Um, And if you're looking for perfection, you're not going to find anyone a human at least, right? Like if you want right. that, you got God and you got no one else. That's it. <laughs> You're right. That's perfect ideas there for you. Um, but to me, the other part of it is, is that it's so easy to become famous today and famous mm. for the wrong reasons. Yeah. You know, fame used to be something that to really get your name known, you had to do something good or maybe you murdered people. And those were the two choices, right? And it was only one that was worthwhile doing. But now, you know, a dumb comment, a dumb thing, or a reality show, or an Instagram, you know, influencer. Like, there are people that we lift up at, and we've confused popularity and fame. Yeah. And and I think as a society, what we do today is we favor those who are the loud ones, those who are good at getting noticed. That's what social media is, right? It's like this giant cavern, and everyone yells, and then we see who's the, we want to favor, and so you favor the one who's great at being noticed, and. I'm personally tired of following people who talk only with triple exclamation points in all caps. Like, yeah. we need to remind our kids that it's the calm ones, it's the humble ones. You know, we did a book called I Am Neil Armstrong. And Neil Armstrong never used the word I. He used to use the word we. We did this. We accomplished it. And he wasn't just talking about his fellow astronauts. He was talking about the scientists, the mathematicians, the people who sewed his spacesuit together. And I want my kids to know that... That humility. Remember when humility was a great American value? Right. We've lost, we've lost that, and we need yeah. it back again. And so each time we, we do these books, they're not books about history. They're books about a moral value, a mm. character lesson. So on the back of yeah. I Am Amelia Earhart, it says, I know no bounds. On the back of I Am Abraham Lincoln, it says, I, I will speak my mind and speak for others. And on the back of I Am Walt Disney, it, it says, I know that the person who makes dreams come true is you. That's the lesson is always there. And, and I think we, we need to stop confusing fame with being a hero. Yeah, I love that you usually tie each of these figures to a particular quality or a character trait that kids can learn from. Uh, I'm curious, uh, who were your own role models growing up? Uh, obviously, listen, I'm gonna, the easy thing is to say, oh, my mom and dad, they're the best. And they are. You yeah. know, my mother, when my first book came out, my mom passed away years ago from breast cancer. And when, when my first books came out, I went to Borders when it was still around. The head of sales of Borders Books, the, the bookstore, said to me, guess where your books in America sell more than anywhere else? Straight sales, not even per capita. And I was like, I don't know, New York City, 8 million people in one place. I'm like, nope. I said, Washington, D.C., all right, thrillers set in D.C., nope. The number one place where my books sold 
was the Boca Raton, Florida borders one mile from the furniture <laughs> store where my mother used to work. Oh, really? That means my mother single-handedly beat 8 million New Yorkers, right? Like, that's the power of a mother. And my dad, yeah. who also passed away a few years ago, we've had a rough couple years in my house, but obviously blessed to have these people. My dad would go into every Barnes & Noble. He'd be like, yes, I'm here for Brad Meltzer's new book. He's my favorite author. They're like, Mr. Meltzer, we know he's your son. Like, we know. We got <laughs> That's so it. so sweet. So, so those were like the, obviously, you know, they were personal, you know, amazing heroes to me. But, but my real heroes, uh, I'll give you two that really stand out, is my grandfather, Ben, was the first one who used to tell me stories. Mm-hmm. And he used to tell me Batman stories because I loved Batman when I was a little kid. And his Batman story was always the same. It would say, Batman and Robin are in the Batmobile. And in front of them is a white van. And inside the white van is the Joker, the Penguin, the Riddler, and Catwoman. And they chase him along the edge of a cliffside. And then he'd finish and I'd go, tell it again. And he'd say, Batman and Robin are in the Batmobile. And th- <laughs> you know, this story had 30 words in the whole story, but he would tell it to me over and over because he knew I loved it. And mm. that's what a hero is. It doesn't have to be someone famous. It could just be someone in your life. Um, but uh, if you make me go to the famous side, you know, it was Jim Henson. It was really? Mr. Rogers. Um, those Mr. Rogers and Jim Henson on Sesame Street taught me at five years old that you could use your creativity to put good into the world. And that is yeah. all I am trying to do here today with the I Am book series is use my own creativity to put good into this world. That's interesting because that surprises me. I would have thought that you would have said George Washington or some historical figure. Yeah, I mean, I love, listen, of those, Abraham Lincoln is the man. He's the one. Like, George Washington's great because he's, you know, this great leader, but that's winning a, a physical battle. Mm-hmm. What what Abraham Lincoln won was a moral battle. Like, he he basically is fighting for other people. George Washington, at the end of the day, and, and listen, he's number two on my list, right? Like, but he's fighting for himself, right? He's fighting for, like, we need to be free. But to fight for someone else to be free, that's the ultimate yeah. fight. So, of politicians, like... That's the one. Lincoln is the man for me. But I'll take Jim Henson and Mr. Rogers yeah. any day. <laughs> now, when you're looking for historical figures to add to the series, what kind of qualities or characteristics do you usually look for? Is there even a, maybe a common thread? You know, I think it's like the Supreme Court definition of pornography, <laughs> which is you know it when you see it. Yeah. And And I just tend to look at people that I find interesting and I try to fill kind of a niche. Like, right, I don't want to do uh, George Washington followed by Ben Franklin followed by Alexander Hamilton books, Mm -hmm. right? It's just like too much. You know, I'm trying to give kids, the goal of our books is to help people build a library of real heroes for their kids and their grandkids, for their nieces and their nephews. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we don't want to do entertainers back to back. I wouldn't do Jim Henson and then do Walt Disney and then do Mr. Rogers. So I try and find a mix. So we, you know, we'll find uh, Jane Goodall. My daughter loved, uh, loves our dog. And I wanted to show her what you could do with a love of something that you really care about. And Jane Goodall, when I started researching her life, succeeds because she just loves chimpanzees. She loves animals. And I wanted to show my daughter that, you know, whatever your passion is in your life, you can change the world with it. So I tend to look at my own kids and kind of look for what I think they need and then try and find some merger of people that can help me kind of give that moral lesson without hitting them over the head with a hammer. Right. And I like that they cover a diversity of fields because kids have a diversity of interests. One particular kid may not be all that interested in George Washington or being president, but a book on Walt Disney, if he's particularly artistic, might really speak to him. 
And, and listen, you just described my children, right? My son loves really? sports. I gave him I Am Jackie Robinson. My daughter loves animals. I did I Am Jane Goodall for her. My youngest <laughs> son is a dreamer. That's why I did I Am Jim Henson. That's why I did I Am Walt Disney. He's the creative one who just loves to draw and tell, you know, make up his own stories in his head. And none of those books will my other kids like, but they like theirs a whole lot. Mm -hmm. So we really try and find that breadth of heroes that some kid out there is just, you know, I, I will tell you when I was five years old, as I mentioned on Sesame Street, I got a spark. It just sparked me, right? It just lit me up this idea of creativity. And there's some kid out there right now who we're trying to spark. And it may be with a book about animals. It may be with a book about baseball players. It may be with a book about a guy who creates a magic kingdom. Um, but the goal is, is to give people that first spark, and that's how you let the you know yeah. the whole thing. Do you ever bounce your ideas off of your children? I do, which is really dangerous. Because to be clear, <laughs> my kids are not impressed by anything I do. Really? Right? I'm just <laughs> their dumb, unfunny dad. Like, and that's how it should be. No, you know, I wasn't impressed by my parents. Like, no one should be is impressed by their parents, right? I mean, we we have to forever, you know, just bust their chops. And and I think I'm okay. I can live with that. You know, my like anytime I make a good joke, my kids are like, I heard that joke before. You know, <laughs> they're just not impressed. But um, I wouldn't have this book series without my daughter being bored with Amelia Earhart flying across the Atlantic Ocean. I saw what she reacted to. It wasn't a focus group. I was just trying to honestly tell her about this hero I liked, and she was having none of it. And I learned, you know, I, I take covers now. I take stories now. I'll come down to two stories, and I'll say, you know, which one? If I want to know what a kid's going to really spark to, mm -hmm. I tell them to my kids, and I see which ones they go like, I like that one. And when if I can get my three kids to agree... You know, they're they're you know, you draw concentric circles to see what people have in common. Yeah. My kids have nothing that overlaps except for our dog. It's the only thing all three of them like. So if I can get all three of them to say, Yeah, I like that story or yeah, I like that hero, uh, that's a good day at work. <laughs> How do children usually find your series? Are are their parents already fans of your adult fiction and they kind of bring it to them or what? You know, I think in the beginning we got a lot of trust and faith from people who just were like, okay, I like your thrillers. I like the TV show you did on the History Channel. I'll take a chance. And and that's nice. But the reality is I think this book series benefited by two groups, and it was librarians and teachers. Really? And I can't tell you how many teachers write to us and say this is the only book series I know that teaches nonfiction biographies for the youngest kids that kids actually care about. Um, you know, we are teaching according to our publisher to more kids now of this age group than any series out there. And I can see, you know, the letters we get are from parents that say, you know, we got one that said, Dear Brad, this is the first year my daughter didn't dress as a princess for Halloween. Thanks to your book, she's going as Amelia Earhart. And, wow. you know, that's just humbling, right? To ever think you're going to be someone's Halloween costume. Yeah. But I think <laughs> that, and, and I think what's happened is, is, is that parents have now, you know, now it's parent to parent. It's all word of mouth. It's it's people just saying you want, you know, in this world we live in where everything you put on television and everything you put on the internet is just filled with poison and venom. Mm -hmm. Here's a breath of fresh air. Try the I Am series. Try the Ordinary People Change yeah. the World series. Well, let's talk about the two newest books. First, I Am Marie Curie. What a great role model for girls. What did you want your daughter to draw from her story? Yeah, so Marie Curie is a, a Nobel Prize winning scientist. And when she's, a, I really wanted to do a female scientist. It was important to me to do a female scientist in the series. But as I looked into her life, when she was a little girl, Marie Curie, the Russian government wouldn't teach her 
science. They wouldn't teach science to girls. They wouldn't teach science to them because they thought mm. it would make them too powerful. And you know what? Wow. They were right. They were absolutely right. In fact, when she gets older, she's 16. She says, I want to be a scientist. She wants to change the world. But there's no, even the colleges that she wants to go to, no one will teach science to women as she gets older. So she finds a place called the Flying University. And yeah. it obviously doesn't fly, but what it does is it secretly teaches science to women. That was fascinating. You're right. Isn't that awesome? I mean, a secret university teaching science to women, and she suddenly learns about the elements and, and the periodic table. And what I love is not that she goes become the first woman to win the Nobel Prize or the first person, man or woman, to win two Nobel Prizes in two different subjects. But what I love for my kids as the value is that her entire life, Marie Curie is denied over and over everything because she's a woman, mm -hmm. and she never lets it stop her. And I want my yeah. sons to learn that, and I want my daughter, of course, to learn that, that whatever your dream is, chase it, chase it, chase it. Yeah, that's one of the things that I like about these books is that you don't sugarcoat them too much. You're not afraid to show all of the adversity that they face. And even Walt Disney, the fact that Walt Disney's dad wasn't very supportive of this idea of him going into art. No, you hit it right on the head. I mean, Walt Disney is arguably one of the great American success stories, right? He has truly the happily ever after man, the man who makes the magic kingdom. And it's not it's not easy for him when he's a kid, as you said, his father doesn't even appreciate, is not excited by the fact his kid can draw so well. It's his aunt who says, hey, Walt, you're really good at this drawing thing. Keep doing it. And as he turns, you know, gets a little older, starts his first film company, it's a disaster. It completely fails. He's basically, they say, you're going to have to declare bankruptcy. From there, he's sleeping in his office. He's taking a bath once a week in a local train station. <laughs> but I want my kids to know that if you have a big dream and you chase a big dream, you're going to fail. But when you get back up again, that's how you fly. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and you see that, you know, it's even in, even in Mickey Mouse, right? He, Walt Disney comes up with the idea for a, a cartoon mouse. He says, I got the name for it, Mortimer Mouse. <laughs> like, Mortimer Mouse? And he's like, Mortimer Mouse. And his wife says, that's a horrible name. That's literally what she says. That's a horrible <laughs> name. And she says, why don't you name him Mickey? And that's how the world gets Mickey Mouse. And it's not some overnight success story. The first Mickey cartoon doesn't even sell. But Walt Disney's great attribute that we really point out is he just refuses to stop chasing his dream. He just keeps pushing. That's why we paired I Am Walt Disney with I Am Marie Curie mm -hmm. is so we can give kids this book series that they can get that message of, you know, go for that thing that excites you. Uh, mm -hmm. That's what Walt Disney stands for. Around probably age five, Walt Disney was my hero. I started taking some art classes because I thought I might want to be an animator. And then a few years later, I, I think there was a phase where I wanted to be Michael Eisner. But yeah, Disney seems like a natural role model for kids because they already love the movies, the parks and all that. So who wouldn't want to aspire to be the genius behind all of those things? Yeah, it really was um, for us uh, one of the most anticipated books we've done. And I'm so excited about it. And what I'm excited is, as you said, we don't you know, we don't sugarcoat it and say everything's grand. I mean, obviously, you know, you can't show every single detail of anyone's life. Right. You don't show them chain smoking or anything. Like that. Right. There's no chain smoking or labor dispute or whatever, you know, right, the joke right. is, right? America you, make, first. you know, you can't show everything. <laughs> yeah. But but I will say, um, you know, we show the hard parts. We mm -hmm. show him fail. We show it not work out. You see him with his head down going, oh my gosh, how am I going to do this? Because the one thing we do with our heroes today, and we do them a huge disservice, is we, we, what we do is we, we kind of, we make 
granite statues out of them. We dip them in concrete. We build these great monuments to them. And we do them this really terrible disservice mm-hmm. because you know we worship there and we, and we expect them to be perfect. But anyone you look up to, whether it's Dr. King or Rosa Parks or Walt Disney or Marie Curie or anyone else, whoever you look up to had moments where they were scared and they were terrified yeah. and they didn't know if they were going to be able to go on. But they do. They plow forward. And we have to stop building these statues to regular humans and expecting them to be perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, we have to accept Everyone, every one of us has moments, you know, we should never be judged by our worst days. Um, You know, there are some things that are obviously really horrible, but we all make mistakes on a daily basis. We are all amazing and we are all terrible and we are all brave and we are all cowards and we are all spectacular and we can all be awful. Sometimes in the same day, sometimes within a few minutes of each other. And it just depends on the day. Yeah. You actually show some of the heroes that inspired the heroes, and then you show some of the people who were later inspired by them. I I just like that a lot because I think it's so important to show that no one is just born Abraham Lincoln or Albert Einstein. Heroes can be incredibly intimidating for kids. It's called the Ordinary People Change the World series, and people always say, like, you know, Abraham Lincoln's not ordinary. I'm like, yes, he is. He absolutely is. He's born with nothing. He reads books about George Washington when he's little, and he's like, that sounds awesome. <laughs> he reads books about Benjamin Franklin when he's little. He's like, that sounds awesome. Like, that is, it. yes, and what he did is eventually spectacular, but he's born just like the rest of us. No one you look up to is born a hero. No one is born amazing. You know, you may have people who, like Albert Einstein, are, are certainly have something in their brain that makes them really smart. But that doesn't mean you dedicate it to good or to helping people or to you know do anything amazing with it. You can do whatever you want with it. But to me, that's the thing we have to get through our heads is that everyone is born the same, mm-hmm. um, and and you know we have abilities and we have loves and we have passions. But if you want to look at you know we're now eighteen and nineteen books in this series. Wow. The one thing all of them have in common is that every single person that's successful is doing what they love. That's why they don't stop doing it. Yeah. It's because they just are, it's them. It's everything they are, whatever it might be geared toward. I understand that the Disney one is particularly close to your heart because you live in Florida, not far from Disney World. And don't you have some kind of an annual family tradition? Yeah, so we we do have this tradition. I love you for this. So as you said, I live in Florida. So we've had this tradition since my kids are little where what we do is we take uh, once a year during carpool as I'm driving the kids to school Instead of going to school, we drive past the school and we drive straight to Disney World. And the kids every day are like, we're going to Disney World, we're going to Disney World. Like they're excited every day. But the reason I do it is to remind them that every day you can find magic in your life. Mm-hmm. And that's what Walt Disney stood for for me, right? That's the ultimate magic trick is you know finding your happy place, right? Think of the happiest things. It's the same as having wings. It's the Peter Pan line. And it's no surprise that when Walt Disney was younger, a play came through his town called Peter Pan, and it became one of his favorites. And he you know, loved doing that show. He said no one was more committed to the role when he played Peter Pan as a little boy. And I love that his whole life, he just spent trying to find his own happy place. So that tradition runs yeah. through and deeply in our family, and, and I love the fact. We, in fact, just recently went, because we, we, we did it this year. Instead of going to Disney World, we went to, we went to Disney World, but it was Star Wars Land. We went to the Galaxy's Edge. Oh, cool. And instead of going to the, the Magic Kingdom, we went to the Millennium Falcon. But I felt like that was a good trade. Yeah. How is that? I haven't been yet. Uh, it's Listen, it, 
just follow the crying middle-aged men and you will find the Millennium Falcon at the center of the park. I mean, that's it. It's the Millennium Falcon. Yeah. The Millennium Falcon full size right there. That's how it is. That's the review. That's all you got to write. The Millennium Falcon is there and you can go see it. And there is a X-Wing fighter and there is, you know, it's crazy. It's bananas. And, yeah. you know, there's a there's a land speeder that you got to go find because it's like hidden and, you know, of course, just being, you know, whatever, yeah. the middle-aged crying man, like, I'm like, well, let's see, did they put something <laughs> below it to kind of keep it standing, like, look like it's flying? And when you get down on your hands and knees to look, there's nothing there. They, like, <laughs> purposely did it so that, like, wherever's holding it up, you Amazing. can't see, which I'm like, of course they did. That's how it has to be. Yeah. Were you a big Star Wars fan? I, I imagine you and I are about the same age. And I think the first Star Wars movie was pretty much the first movie I ever saw. No, oh, I was seven years old when the first Star Wars movie came out. I can tell you there are three movies where I know I sat in the theater. Yeah. I can tell you, like, physically, they seem like exactly where I sat in the theater in terms of, like, what section of the theater. <laughs> and Star Wars was one of those. And I will, I mean, I watched it. It was one of those life-changing experiences for me. And uh, I, in fact, got to take my kids to Pinewood Studios when they were filming Solo and Last Jedi. Wow. I actually got to take them to uh, to go see the filming and, you know, they take us and they take us in the back. You got to sign away, you know, disclaimers and, 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 you know, secrecy documents that they'll take one of your children, you know, whichever one you like the least they'll take. Um, but they, you know, yeah. they're like, you want to see R2-D2? I'm like, yes, I would like to see R2-D2. They want to see Chewbacca? Yes, I'd like to see Chewbacca. And, and eventually we go into this room that's an armory. And the room is like filled with guns that clearly look like you can arm a legion of stormtroopers with. And they said to my youngest son, um, what's your favorite lightsaber? And because he's a little kid, he's like Kylo Ren. So they go and give him Kylo Ren's lightsaber. Wow. His real lightsaber. And then they say to my older son, um, what's your favorite? And he says, Darth Vader. So they give him Darth Vader's lightsaber. And my youngest son now looks at my oldest son and holds up the lightsaber. (laughs) And I'm like, do not hit your brother with that. That is not a toy. And the guy looks at my son and me and he says, listen, that's actually Adam Driver's Kylo Ren's real lightsaber. And he hits like as hard as he wants. So he could hit as hard as he wants. And now my two kids are fighting with real <laughs> lightsabers. And yeah, it was the most incredible wow. experience. So that's incredible. Um, I, I can't top that one. That was that was yeah. my one of my favorites as a dad. Yeah, I'd be like, don't worry about hurting each other. Just don't damage those. Those are probably worth like five hundred thousand dollars. I didn't care about them. I was like, "Don't break the lightsaber." It wasn't. It was. There was no safety of my children involved with that moment. It was literally like, "Don't break the lightsaber." <laughs> I have one question regarding the Disney book here. The Disney copyright enforcement police are famously litigious. How in the world did you get permission to print the image of Mickey Mouse and Snow White? Um, you know, the the people at Disney were amazing with this book. We had worked really? with them before when we did I Am Jim Henson because they owned the oh, rights right. to the Muppets yeah. and Kermit the Frog. And um, the truth is, is I, they know what our mission is. And they see our mission is to give kids real heroes to look up to. And they work with us to figure it out. Um, and they love this book. They they We gave us access to the archives. The archivists in the Disney archives was they were proofing this and, and showing me things and giving me references and giving Chris Eliopoulos, our amazing artist, references. So we got to, you know, we said we can't tell the story without Mickey and Minnie and Pluto and Goofy. you got to show the everything, right? you mm-hmm. got to show Winnie the sure. Pooh and Peter Pan and Snow White. And um, and that was what we were thrilled about. We It was yeah. obviously getting permissions, getting all the licensing taken care of. It took probably an extra year of work to pull it off, but it made the book, when you open this book, and you see the Magic Kingdom, and you see everyone from the Country Bear Jamboree to Pluto and everyone else. Uh, that's the reward. Yeah. 
Now tell us about Christopher Eliopoulos, who does all the artwork. How did the two of you work together as author and illustrator? What's that process like? Yes, you know, so I want my kids off their phones. Mm -hmm. I want my kids off their screens. But the only way you're going to make that happen is if you give them something that's better and more interesting to look at. And that, Chris is our secret weapon. His art style is like a combination between Charlie Brown meets Calvin and Hobbes. <laughs> Kids just love it. They love what he draws. He's the secret weapon. They're like, oh my gosh, I love how this looks. And if it doesn't look good, they're not going to read it. If it looks like a boring history book, they're never going to go through it. But when we do it with Chris's art, uh, kids just spark to it. And so I always wind up writing the book first. Uh, I literally write page by page everything that should appear on the page, even down to the angle it looks at. The angle should be on the ground. The camera's on the ground. We're looking up at Amelia Earhart, like a worm's eye view, so we can see the whole sky above her. So it's this massive, beautiful shot. And I you know, tell myself how artsy I am and how wonderful my description <laughs> is. And then Chris, when he's really smart, completely ignores me and draws what he wants. Um, but obviously, uh, it's this incredible team effort, and we just, you know, now so many books into this series, uh, into this library, we really understand kind of how to work with each other, and and so it's just it's a perfect pairing. Yeah, yeah, I'm a big fan of how he does it, like the Peanuts characters. You know, they're drawn as children because let's face it, when you're a five year old kid, adults can be pretty intimidating. Yeah, no, well, we realized, you know, when we did the first book, I am Amelia Earhart. Our editor said, you know, when Amelia Earhart gets older, we want to see her get older. You have to draw her older. And I was like, don't do it. They're like, can we just see it? So sure enough, as she gets older and flies her plane, Chris drew her older. And every kid was bored to tears. They had no interest in reading anymore. But when we kept her as a little five-year-old girl, seven-year-old girl, kids were like, oh, she's just like me. And that's, again, the whole point. These aren't the stories of famous people. This is what we're all capable of on our very best days. Now, everyone knows that you're a big history nut, and I know that your political thrillers are meticulously researched. Is it the same with the children's books? What kind of research goes into these? Yeah, listen, uh, I get 40 pages to tell a story in a kid's book, but we go through thousands of pages to do the research because you have to. I mean, you know, the one thing we, we just shouldn't do to our kids and we do them a huge disservice when we do is lie to them. You know, we can tell you, yes, Abraham Lincoln had it so easy and he's just, you know, thought of great things. Or George Washington, we just dreamed of democracy and held hands and everything was grand. Like, it's just not how it was. If it was easy, why would anyone do it? Then there's no reason to be, there's nothing special about it. Mm -hmm. But when you take the time and find and show them that George Washington lost his first election, that Abraham Lincoln lost eight elections, or to find that... You know, Walt Disney went bank. You know, they told me he was going to declare bankruptcy, um, and and that Mickey Mouse, the first cartoon, didn't sell. Now kids are like, oh, oh, that you know, that's okay to fail. Like, and 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 you're going to. And I think we have to teach our kids. You know, we we're so precious with them. We want to wrap them in bubble wrap so nothing happens. But they learn nothing from that. I guarantee you, one of your best lessons in life is when you fall off the bike, not when you're on it. Absolutely. And and I just think you know, to me, we just have to keep. Uh, pushing that. That's the, that's the important part of it. Now, I have to mention that these books are also being turned into a wonderful television series for PBS called Xavier Riddle and the Secret Museum. What can you tell us about it? Yeah, so they are taking the I Am book series, the Ordinary People Change the World book series, and we are making a TV show on PBS. It's called Xavier Riddle and the Secret Museum, as you said. It is about a boy named Xavier 
his uh, sister Yadina, their best friend Brad, who was the most handsome cartoon character you've ever heard in the whole planet and never seen. Um, they gave me hair when they made me into a little cartoon. But what okay. happens in the <laughs> each episode is um, it, they, they have a problem, like they're being bullied. And they go to their secret museum, which is a time machine. They go back in time. They meet Rosa Parks. Rosa Parks teaches them how to deal with bullies. And then they come back to the present day, and then they deal with the bully. And every episode on PBS of Xavier Riddle uh, uses the same art style as the I Am book series and that same moral va value lesson so that we can give kids character so they can find a social-emotional lesson that they can learn from. And it launches November 11th, which is 50 years and one day after Sesame Street premiered all those years ago. So no pressure for us. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that must be really exciting for you if you were so heavily influenced by Mr. Rogers and Sesame Street to finally be doing a show at PBS like this. Uh, it is, I mean, I, when, when I saw, we just did a, a, a big event for PBS where we presented it to every PBS station. And I said to them, you know, I owe you a huge thank you. Because when I was five years old, uh, I, I got lit up by what you put on the air. And what I love even more is that I hope that watching our show or reading the books, as I mentioned, that there's some kid out there that gets lit by that. And that 40 years from now, that there's whatever podcasts are then, you know, they'll, they'll be like you and me, but they'll be talking in flying cars. Um, <laughs> but whatever that is, 40 years from now, that kid's going to be telling, talking about their new TV show that they got mm -hmm. inspired by, and her show's going to be spectacular. Yeah. <laughs> and I can't wait for that. Well, let me ask you this, Brad. You ever think of doing a villain series? If you're doing all of these heroic characteristics, maybe cautionary tales like Caligula and I, Hedonism. I, right, or... I am Mussolini. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, I, yeah. You know, liars yeah, no, go to prison, I, the Bernie Madoff story. <laughs> right, sure. No, who doesn't want that? Because, you know, there's nothing that children love more than insider trading and yeah. uh, all those good things. I think you're onto something. I'm sure you could make it interesting. <laughs> yeah. Well, before we go, I wonder, can you tell us about what you're working on next for the adult readers? Yeah. So we are, um, we just finished, and obviously you you know this because you and I spoke about it. We did um, uh, my first adult nonfiction book um, with Josh Mensch. I did The First yeah. Conspiracy, The Secret Plot to Kill George Washington. Yeah. So good. And we love doing that. Uh, we love doing that book and telling that story. So we are doing a follow-up book that is going to be an untold story of another U.S. president. Uh, I can't talk. I think we are announcing it next week, um, but you will see it is. If you liked the secret plot to kill George Washington, if you liked the first conspiracy, I think you're going to like this okay. one. It's a really fun unknown moment in history. Wow! And then I'm working on the sequel to the Escape Artist on the thriller side. The oh, sequel really? to the Escape Artist. Uh, which brings back Nola and Zig, uh, the two characters from The Escape Artist. Wow, exciting. That's something to look forward to for sure. Well, look for I Am Marie Curie and I Am Walt Disney, along with the other books in Brad's series in your local bookstores or online. Brad, thanks so much for coming back on the show. Uh, thank you for having me. Always good to be back. Thanks, brother. Thanks again to Brad Meltzer for coming on the podcast. Order I Am Marie Curie and I Am Walt Disney and all of the books in Brad's Ordinary People Change the World series for children on Amazon or wherever books are sold. For more information, visit OrdinaryPeopleChangeTheWorld.com or BradMeltzer.com and follow Brad on Twitter at at Brad Meltzer. If you enjoyed today's podcast, be sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts and rate and review us while you're there. Five-star ratings and detailed reviews are one of the best ways for new listeners to discover the show. 
You can also follow us on Facebook or on Twitter at at KickAssNewsPod and recommend us to your friends on your social media. For more fun stuff, visit KickAssNews.com and I welcome your comments, questions, and suggestions at comments at KickAssNews.com. For now, I'm Ben Mathis, and thanks for listening to Kick-Ass News.